In your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If there is one word that describes the state of affairs in the lives of people today, that word is overload. It's amazing, isn't it, when you think about the fact that we live at the most technologically advanced point in history. We have so many tools available to us to make our lives easier, to make tasks simpler. And yet, when you look around at the world, especially in the developed world, such as America, Europe, we're just, we're busy. We're just, we're here, we're there, we're everywhere. And it seems like with the time that we free up here because of this technology that can make this easier, we fill that with something else. And so, you know, back when they didn't have technology, their lives were busy, but they were quite simple, weren't they? They were simple. They had just a a few things to take care of. But now it seems like with all the technology, we can do so many more things in the time that we have. And so we're so busy. We're scattered here, there, and everywhere. We have so many things going on, so many irons in the fire. One author described it this way. He says, we are overwhelmed overworked, overcommitted, overanxious, overmatched, overextended. He says our tanks are on empty and we're running on fumes. The picture of most Americans in today's fast-paced society is the picture of a man in a health club sprinting on a treadmill. He is running as fast as he can just to keep from falling off the back. He can't find the button to stop the machine. And here's the really ironic part. He isn't going anywhere. Our lives are full. They're busy. Our calendars are full. We seem to be able to fill our days up with to-do lists, with our careers, with errands, with athletics, with social activities. And I'm not saying that we have to eliminate all those things and put our lives on hold, nor am I suggesting that we go live in a monastery somewhere and cut off from the world. But I believe our text in Luke chapter 10 this morning can speak to this situation that we face in our lives of being busy, being hurried, of being overwhelmed, overloaded. This is a story that we've probably heard before, a story that we're very familiar with, but I think one that we don't think about often enough or apply to our lives as often as we should. In this particular story, Jesus and his disciples were heading again toward Jerusalem as Luke 9:51 told us that Jesus was uh, focused on Jerusalem now to fulfill the mission of his father. And it says that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's bow in prayer together. 
Our Father, we thank you for this time that we have this morning to listen to your word. To, in essence, sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him teach us today. Father, I pray that this would be a time in which our ears are open to hear that word of Christ and that our hearts are open to receive it. And Father, that your Holy Spirit would show us, illumine our understanding to see areas of our lives where we are falling into the same trap that Martha fell into. Lord, give us a heart that is devoted to Christ and to his word. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. In the last few passages that we've looked at in the Gospel of Luke, Luke has put together several accounts, several episodes in the life of Jesus that emphasize the nature of discipleship, of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. And so we've seen that true discipleship involves a love for others. We saw that last week with the parable of the Good Samaritan, that being a disciple of Jesus involves a love for others and showing compassion and mercy toward them regardless of who they are. And so Jesus has emphasized the importance of the great command to love our neighbor as ourselves. And and Jesus gave us a clear definition of who our neighbor is, and it's probably broader than we think. But true discipleship is not just about doing. It's not just about serving. It's not just about doing for others. True discipleship also involves loving God as well, doesn't it? And so the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us how to love others and shows us that our neighbor, that definition is bigger than we think. But we also have to remember the first great command, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this passage, I believe, helps us to remember that. In verse 38, it says that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. I believe this is on the way to Jerusalem. And he is moving uh, toward that goal that his father had entrusted to him. And he came to a village where this woman, Martha, lived. And Luke doesn't specifically tell us in this passage, but if Mary and Martha lived in the same place that they did in the Gospel of John, then this is Bethany, which is just a few miles from Jerusalem. And so Jesus and his disciples come to this village. And the way Luke describes it, it almost seems that this is Jesus' first encounter with Martha and Mary. Now, we know that from the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus were, became close friends of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. But the way that Luke describes it here, perhaps this is Jesus' first time coming into this village and meeting Martha. But Martha practices what is uh, proper and what is culturally expected for sure in Israelite society and really in the whole ancient world, and that is to provide hospitality. And so she opens her home and welcomes Jesus into her home to perhaps give him lodging, to provide food for him while he stays. And so Jesus is there in the home of Martha and also her younger sister, Mary, lives there as well. And it says in verse 39, 
that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, this is really quite a striking scene because the way that the language is given to us here, this indicates that Mary was in the traditional position of a disciple, of a learner to a rabbi. So she's sitting there at his feet while Jesus is teaching, talking about the word of God. And she is there just absorbing, soaking it up. And it's really quite a remarkable scene because in general, in that day, it was not permitted for a woman to be in this position of a disciple, of a rabbi, of a teacher. And I think that's important to point out because sometimes uh, liberals, critics of the Bible, want to pile on uh, the Christian faith and on the Bible and say that Christianity is oppressive to women. I want to let you know that from a world historical perspective, Christianity and the Christian faith has advanced the standing the dignity, the honor of women more than any other faith or religion in the world. Jesus welcomed women to learn from him. He, he talked to them. He taught, he taught them. We see through the rest of the New Testament, several women play a prominent role in the early church. Priscilla, Lydia, several uh, women who were companions of the Apostle Paul and helped him in his ministry. Here we have Mary and Martha who were important in the ministry of Jesus. And so here Jesus does not discourage Mary at all, but he encourages her to do what she's doing. And that is to stay there and to listen to the teaching of Jesus. And that's exactly what she did. She stayed there. She's listening intently. She is not distracted by anything. She is focused on the words of Jesus and he welcomes her to do that. But somebody else is upset that Mary's doing that. Jesus isn't. Jesus is not upset that she's doing that at all. He welcomes her. He's glad that she's there listening to his teaching. But somebody else in the house is upset that Mary is doing that. And we can all, every single one of us, identify with Martha here, right? Every one of us. Here I am doing all of this work doing all this, getting all these things ready, making all the preparations. And here is my sister sitting over here doing nothing, right? She's not doing a thing. She's not even lifting a finger to help me. We can all put ourselves in that, in that mindset, in that thought process. And I think sometimes we've been a little too difficult or made life difficult for Martha in this passage, maybe piled a little bit uh, on too much on Martha in this passage. And here's what we need to understand is that Martha is doing something that is good. Martha is doing a good thing in this passage. Hospitality was a virtue in the ancient world. And so by her inviting Jesus in and preparing a meal for him and making these preparations, she is doing a good work. So it's not that Martha is doing something that is wrong. Martha is doing something that is good. But the lesson that Jesus is about to teach her and us is that we should not let the good be the enemy of the best. We should not let the good be the enemy of the best. 
And so Martha is busy. She is doing all of these preparations and she cries out to the Lord, to this rabbi, to this teacher who she's invited into her home. And she says in verse 40, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So you can see the word there, left. She feels abandoned, right? My sister just went off and left me, and here I am. She left me holding the bag, and I'm doing all of the work. Tell her to come in here and help me. I'm not sure why she thought that Jesus needed to be the arbiter of their sibling dispute, but that's essentially what she's asking him to do. She's asking Jesus to intervene and be the arbiter of their little family squabble that's going on here. And Martha clearly thinks that she's in the right, doesn't she? Martha thinks she's in the right. I'm doing what's good. I'm doing what's right. I'm doing something noble. Mary should be in here helping me. Lord, rebuke her. Tell her to do what's right and get in her and and help me. And Jesus responds, Martha, Martha. And don't you love, you can just hear the words that way, can't you? I've just... Martha's all, you know, stressed out and her voice is probably exasperated when she cries out to Jesus, tell her to help me. And then you can hear the words of Jesus, no doubt, incredibly calm and calming to Martha. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What is the lesson of this passage? The lesson of this passage, I believe, is this. And that is that as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, we cannot faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ without devoting time to listening to the word of Christ. We cannot faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ without devoting time to listening to the word of Christ. And so Jesus tells Martha here in verses 41 and 42, says, Martha, you're worried about all these things. You're so busy. You're so distracted. But Mary, your sister, she has chosen that which is really important. And that is to sit here and to listen to the word of Christ. And he says, that will not be taken away from her. And I think for us as believers, it is, it is easy for us to fall into this trap of just doing stuff, doing things. And, and sometimes church ministry serving in the church or even serving our families. It can become just a a task-oriented, get-this-done kind of approach to life. And what Jesus is emphasizing to us here through his uh, correction to Martha is that we can't let our busyness, our service, get in the way of stopping and resting, and of simply listening to the word of Christ. Many, many times throughout the Bible, the Bible is referred to 
through the word picture of food. Honey, meat, milk. The Bible, the word of God is food. And I think it uses that analogy on purpose because food is an essential component of our physical lives, isn't it? We have to have food. If you do not have food, you will become, first you'll become weak. Eventually you'll die if you do not eat. We need food to sustain us. We need food to strengthen us. We need food to fuel us in whatever we're doing. And so we need the Bible. We need God's word to sustain us, to fuel us, to strengthen us in service, in whatever we're doing, whether it be serving our families, serving in the church, doing our job in the midst of an unbelieving world, whatever it is that we are called to, to live as Christians, we need the word of God to live that out on a daily basis. And if we don't have that sustenance of the word of God, then we will ultimately become weak and we will fail in our service to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was reading this passage, I was reminded of one of the letters that Jesus sent to the churches in Revelation. In one of the letters that Jesus sent to the churches in Revelation, the letter to Ephesus, Jesus praised the church in Ephesus for their deeds, for their works. And he lists off a number of works, things that he was praising them for, commending them for. He says, you are faithful. You are faithful to the truth. You know those who say they're apostles, but are not. You've, you've been able to, to sniff out and spot false teachers, false apostles. You're busy, help, you're busy helping one another, standing for the truth. But he says, I have one thing against you. And you all probably remember what that is from Revelation. I have one thing against you. You have left what? your first love, right? You've left your first love. And I think the emphasis of what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus there is in essence what he's saying to Martha here. And that is that love must motivate service. Love must motivate service. And without love, eventually our service will become a drudgery. Eventually, our service will become legalism. We need love for God and for one another to fuel, to motivate our service. And to nurture and develop that love for God, we need to devote ourselves to his word. To just stop and listen to the word of Christ. And so comparing Martha and Mary is not about comparing good versus bad. Both women have admirable qualities. The text really is about good versus better. The things that Martha were doing, they were good, but there was something better. And here's the thing we need to understand. There's time for us to do both. So as I mentioned at the very beginning of the sermon, I'm not saying that we need to go live in a monastery somewhere where all we do is read, memorize, and meditate on the Word of God. That would be great if we could do that, but for, for us, that's not what the Lord called us to do. In fact, in his prayer in John 17, he didn't say, go out of the world. I want you to stay in the world. I want you to be salt. I want you to be light, but I don't want the world in you. 
And so we need time to spend with God so that we can serve Him more faithfully. There are things that need to be done. There are tasks that have to be completed. But we also need to sit and listen sometimes. We need to sit and listen and devote ourselves to Christ. And so all I'm encouraging us to do, and I think all that the Lord Jesus is encouraging us to do in this passage is to evaluate our priorities. And he says there is one thing that is needed, and that is to spend time with Christ in his word. Now, Christ is not here physically, is he? Christ is not here physically. Christ right now physically is at the right hand of God, where he is seated at his right hand, interceding for us. One day he's coming again. So Christ physically is not with us, but we do have the Holy Spirit with us, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit with us continually in us as uh, a, a gift from God and from Christ. And we also have the gift of his word, don't we? We don't have Jesus speaking to us audibly like Mary had that day, but we have the same words that he told Martha and Mary that day written down in the scriptures for us that we can learn from. And so we can still hear the words of Christ and the words of his disciples, the words of God. Time in the word of God and communion with God is what fuels and energizes our service for God. And without that time in the word and in solitude with God, we will not serve him properly with the right motives or with the right perspective. And so it's impossible to faithfully serve Jesus Christ without devoting time to listening to the word of Christ. And so one question as we finish our time. Do you devote time, sufficient time, to stopping and focusing, getting rid of all distractions and listening to the word of God? We need that as believers. That is my exhortation to all of us this morning. Prioritize the word of God so that it may fuel our service for him. Let's bow in prayer together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this story that we just read. The story is so human. It's so uh, readily uh, understandable and identifiable by us because we can see ourselves in this story. We can see ourselves in Martha. Just the busyness, the hurriedness of life, distractions. And Lord, we can see how difficult it is in our lives to devote ourselves without distraction to you as Mary did. So Lord, I pray that you would nurture within us the heart of Mary in this passage, that of devotion to the word of God of being able to set aside all the distractions and just to focus on you and on what you have told us. And Father, may that time then that we spend with you fuel and motivate how we serve you and enable us, Lord, to serve you out of love, 
not out of duty, to enable us to serve you from a right perspective. And that is out of a heart of gratitude because of all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would not only help us to understand, but that he would help us to put into practice, to actually do what Jesus is teaching us to do in this passage. So Lord, draw us closer to you, Father. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.